podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The boys are back and we're coming off back-to-back wins. I can't believe it. We get to talk about another win. Um, but before we do, let's talk about our new cool sponsor, Symbol. Guys, Symbol is a stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your team wins, you earn cash. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low and sell high and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 7,000 early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. Visit www.symbol.com to create a free account, and when you deposit, make sure to use the promo code CAPITALBOYS to make sure your deposit is risk-free. That's symbol.com. Use the promo code BOYS, and your deposit will be risk-free. That means every... Even if you lose money, Symbol will refund your deposit. Uh, no questions asked. Uh, join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams. Folks, we are joined by one of the best friends of the pod, my boyfriend, Cole Manbeck. Cole, if you were to invest in a team, who would you buy right now? Well, I would have bought stock low on Kansas State a couple of weeks ago uh, <laughs> when everyone was feeling down in the dumps. And uh, I, I felt like Kansas State with the schedule lighting up, uh, lightening up some that uh, they'd get on a little bit of a roll. And, and so far that is coming to fruition. So uh, I'd, I'd buy stock in Kansas State if I was trying to buy low. If I'm going to buy high, you know, I would probably obviously pick Georgia. I mean, they clearly seem to be the uh, the best team in America, and uh, that defense is just insane. They have an NFL defense. It's yeah, it's shocking. Um, it's crazy. Are you drinking anything this morning? No beer in yeah. the pod, probably coffee in uh, the pod. Well, you know, I am a uh, I'm a bourbon guy. I'm not drinking bourbon this morning. I was last night. I don't really drink much beer, um, but I uh, I was drinking Makers last night, Friday night. And uh, this morning, I've already had coffee. Now I've got a Diet Dr. Pepper. Uh, you know, I've been up since like 730 with, uh-huh. uh, with the kids and everything. I, I can't sleep in anymore. So yeah. even if I try, uh, you know the feeling. I do know the feeling. Um, six o'clock rolls around and your body won't let you. But yeah, I had some whiskey. Whiskey last night, I poured a victory pour of Elijah Craig. And it was way too big. I poured, It was like a quadruple pour. I should not have done that. And you were still excited. Feeling, still You're feeling excited. it this morning. But um, so Cats win 31-12. Let's just jump into the headlines of the game before we break down the position groups. And we have to talk about the, the one and only King Felix. Uh, he's the headline from yesterday. Historic and record-breaking day for him. Technically not six total sacks anymore, which is complete horseshit. The NCAA, I guess, dialed it back to four um apparently a strip sack doesn't count as a sack which kind of blows my mind but in my mind he had six sacks yesterday um but he did break the k-state record by chris johnson so he he well he tied it so now we have two absolute pimps that have sacked the quarterback four times in a game talk about king felix and how insane he is to see in person well, he's an All-American. Uh, you know, he's, he's really still a freshman with the limited snaps that he had last year. And his story is really remarkable, the, the lack of scholarship offers and how unnoticed he went coming out of Lee Summit. And only North Dakota State offered him. And, and Kansas State kind of just pulled him on signing day is when I think I believe Kansas State found out they were getting him was on actual signing day. It was kind of a surprise offer at the last minute. Uh, was going to go to Missouri as just a regular student which is just kind of crazy until K-State offered. And uh, he's just insanely talented. He's, he's got a relentless motor. He's nonstop. 
uh, and you combine that with his skill set, I mean, the guy is amazing. And not only just rushing the passer, but his run fits, everything he does against the run. He's just an all-around complete stud at defensive end. And you know, unfortunately for Kansas State, they're not going to have him very long. Uh, I would envision that uh, after next season, you know, you just got to soak it in because you got this year and you probably got next year and he's going to be on NFL radars and uh, be an early day draft pick in all likelihood, uh, which is good for the program. I mean, that's, that's what you want. You need to start putting guys in the NFL. You, you find guys, you develop them that quickly. You get a guy that could potentially be a first round pick. Uh, yeah. That that's great for the program and for recruiting. So uh, hopefully he continues it. He's just a, he's just an all around stud. I mean, what could be said the six, the six sacks, I'm going to ignore the NCAA. That's uh that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard for an explanation. A strip sack is a sack. You do not get, you, you, you can't get punished for forcing a fumble as part of the sack that that should be a bonus on top of it. So in other words, if he wouldn't have forced a fumble and just took him to the ground, he would have six sacks. That's the ridiculousness. And the fact that K-State recovered the ball both times, so the, the whole positive rushing yards for TCU on the plate doesn't make any sense. It makes absolutely no sense. So I'm, I agree. I think we count those two sacks on the Bosco's boys headquarters. <clears throat> Excuse me, but that makes on the year, he would have 14 sacks in, in eight games. Is that right? Something like that. If you counted as six yesterday, he would have 12 sacks. He would have broken the single season record held by Jordan Willis and Ian Campbell, I believe at 11 and a half um so yeah i mean 12 sacks in eight games is unreal then you cut you factor in that you know he's forced he forced two fumbles against southern illinois he forced two yesterday he has a safety to his resume uh i'm probably missing other forced fumbles i mean we know he's got at least four forced fumbles 12 sacks if you count that i haven't looked at his tfl's numbers but i'm sure he's around 15 tackles for loss as well so i'm on sportsreference.com he's got uh 13 and a half tackles for loss and they have him at 12 sacks total on the year um, okay. in eight games, which is crazy. And the crazy thing is he was picked kind of to be like a, a possible breakout player this year. And, you know, kudos to him. I, even before Deuce, or Duke went out, you know, he was influencing games. He basically kind of put the team on the back for that SIU game and to, totally turned the tide for the defense. So he's insane. I agree. I don't think he's going to be here very long. Um, he's got – second rounder written all over him so and the crazy he should be an all-american absolutely yeah the, the crazy thing is is tcu i mean everybody knows that he's by far and away k-state's best pass rusher at this point i mean without khalid duke there there aren't a lot of other guys to focus on and key in on i mean nate matlack's coming on um some other guys are coming on but you, but you look at this tcu was trying to double team him they they had the left guard and left tackle try to take him one time he beat them both he got a strip sack and then they, they tried to chip him with the running back, had the left tackle on him. They couldn't stop him. He, he got through that for a sack, too. He's just uh, – he's a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, they doubled. They held – I mean, they held him basically. Every yeah, he got, it didn't matter. It yeah, did not he got, matter. He got held at least five times in that game, and yeah. not one of them was called. It was insane. Defense as a whole was pretty dominant. Last season, Clarenman had what I would call a master class against TCO on the road, and this weekend he – I would say he replicated it and the boys, they did step up. Um, what made the defense so good yesterday? Is it just, you know, TCU, we, we just want to be that, that premier purple team. Well, you know, the, the strange thing is the oddity of it all is obviously we know the defense had played very poorly the first three big 12 games. And 
since the start of the second half of the Texas Tech game, they've now allowed three points in total over 14 drives, which is 0.2 points per drive. I'm, I'm excluding, as most of the advanced metrics do, they exclude garbage time touchdowns. I'm excluding that, that touchdown by Gary Patterson yeah. in the last 10 seconds of the game that was pointless. So you look at it, three points and 14 drives, six quarters of football, and they faced really good offenses. Look, Texas Tech was top 10 in the country in a lot of offensive metrics, yards per play, points per drive, uh, and the same thing for TCU. TCU actually had maybe arguably the most explosive offense in the Big 12 by most of the metrics. I mean, they were top 10 in yards per play. They were tops in the Big 12 in yards per play. Uh, points per drive they were at 2.8 points per drive which is 27th in the country you know I know they didn't have Zach Evans but I kind of you know I take that with a grain of salt Kendra Miller the their other running back is a star as well and was averaging 7.3 yards per carry coming into the game you know a lot of it had to do with the sacks and the negative yardage there but K-State holds them to 3.8 yards per rush that's far and away the worst of their season they held them to 0.3 points per drive and I, I think the thing Grant that uh, was really unique what you've looked at the last two games, they faced Eric Izakama uh, and then Quentin Johnston, two of the most dynamic best receivers in the Big 12 conference. They've combined for three receptions for eight yards against Kansas State's defense. So, you know, the secondary had been a huge struggle point for this defense in the first three Big 12 games. And it seems like Echo Boido, Julius Sprints, those guys in the secondary um, are doing a much better job in coverage now. It puts the Cats at five and three, two straight wins. We got KU up next in Lawrence, followed by, I believe, West Virginia in Manhattan. Yeah. Is your seven and three prediction going to come to fruition? What is needed to achieve that? It kind of feels like the defense may have turned a corner. I mean, you did mention it. We have played not, you know, dead on arrival offenses. These are, are very good offenses that, you know, they've – figured out a way to slow down. They figured out a way to completely stop yesterday. Um, is the recipe the defense? Because that's kind of feels like what got us kicked off to three and O are we turning a corner? Uh, I, I think they may be, they may be turning a corner. Look, it obviously helps to have a dynamic pass rusher and Felix Sanadike and Uzama. And then I would also say Daniel green was terrific yesterday as well. He led the Amazing. team in tackles. He had, he had two and a half tackles for loss. He looks like he's getting back on track. I, I worried a little bit about Daniel Green with the, uh, the BS targeting calls that were called on him early in the year and if that would get in his head. And I, I felt like it did maybe a little bit. But yesterday he was flying around to the football. I, I think the defense is coming on some, which is encouraging. And I think that's going to be critical. Uh, you know, I, obviously Kansas next weekend, uh, as long as K-State comes into that game focused, I, I know there's a lot of talk about Kansas maybe turning a corner before yesterday after that <laughs> OU game. But if you look at the numbers, like Kansas, even if you include the OU game and Big 12 play, they're getting outscored by a combined margin of 235 to 54. All right. Uh, if you take away the OU game, it's 200 to 31 and the other four Big 12 games. So they're averaging seven points per game, essentially eight points per game in those other games. Um, and then they have the worst defense in America. Uh, you look at all the metrics, they're, they're the worst by far, thoroughly dominated by Oklahoma State. So as long as Kent State just, you know, plays fundamentally sound football and doesn't make mistakes next weekend, they should come out with a, a dominating win. And then the West Virginia game, to me, that's, that's the big question mark because we know what Neil Brown's done the last two years. And unfortunately, well, I guess you could say fortunately how you feel about Iowa State. It's nice to see him beat Iowa State yesterday. Hell but yeah. unfortunately – it seems like West Virginia is turning it on once again, right before Kansas state plays them. You know, they're now won their last two games in big 12. That was a really nice win yesterday. 
um, and their offense is starting to get going and they have a decent defense. So uh, yeah, I, they're going to get to six and three and then it's going to be a matter of can Chris Kleiman get that big win and, and finally get over the top against Neil Brown, uh, you know, and get to seven and three and then set up a really fun matchup grant with Baylor. I mean, yeah. you know, you, you look at Baylor seven, one right now, they play TCU next week. They're probably going to be eight and one, but then they play Oklahoma the following week. And I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing. They're going to be keyed in. That's going to be a monstrous game. Baylor will be top 10. Um, they're going to be completely glued on that game. And then Kansas state gets to play them right after the OU game. So either way, Baylor's going to come in as a top 15 team. And that's an opportunity to get that marquee victory uh, to where, you know, you can, you can really have that big win and you can't just have people pointing to the schedule and be like, well, K-State just beat the bottom tier teams. Right. It would be really nice to, to have that marquee victory as well. Yeah, we're missing a marquee victory this year. Um, I would say, you know, I was thinking about it the other day. This team, when it's all said and done, just may not be a team that, that can beat good teams. But I would say that Nevada is a pretty good team. I would say Stanford's a solid team. Um, you know, we started off hot. Um, and then we kind of ran into that, that early conference buzzsaw. And I don't know. I, I, I agree. We need to get over that hump with West Virginia, but I would love to steal Baylor in Manhattan. Um, some other headlines yesterday, Joe Irvin did not play due to illness. I don't think there's anything more to it than that. As far as I know, um, injuries on the day, Malik Knowles, Phillip Brooks, Skylar took some shots. Howell was ejected from the game for punching TCU players after a late hit, which, you know what? I support a couple of the TCU players ejected as well for throwing punches. Um, what was the, what was the feeling inside the stadium after that near brawl? Uh, well, I think there were a lot of fans angry that um, two unsportsmanlikes, two punches, uh, a late hit is an offsetting when you have one punch thrown by a K-State player. So you essentially had three, three 15-yarders versus one, and it's uh, offsetting. I'll, I'll tell you my reaction kind of, Grant, was uh, it, it, it was on the opposite sideline of where I was at, so I couldn't really tell what was going on. But uh, it was on TCU's sideline, obviously, and, and they didn't do a great job of breaking that fight up uh, very quickly. And um, I just thought maybe K-State would come right out and run the ball down their throats at that point because K-State's mm -hmm. offensive line would be fired up. And, and instead, they came out and threw some. Uh, I would just say, again, uh, yeah, not so much the brawl, but what was a little bit disappointing yesterday is the continued third quarter struggles. Mm. You know, it just it sucked the air out of the stadium again. You know, they, they had a chance to put that game completely on ice when they were up 21 to 5. They got the ball three times in the third quarter and couldn't score. Uh, and then TCU got it down inside the five and you're thinking to yourself, well, gosh, if TCU punches this in and gets a two point conversion, K-State's thoroughly dominated. It could be a one score game. And that, that was a little disappointing that they once again come out of halftime uh, and just can't do anything offensively. That was the sixth time in seven FBS games this year that Kansas State's went three and out on their yeah. opening offensive drive. And they haven't produced points on any of their seven opening drives against FBS opponents this year. I mean, that, that can't happen, especially when you get the ball to start the second half. I mean, that's your chance to, to put your foot down on somebody and they, they didn't do it. So that, that's the one thing I would nitpick is yesterday is, is disappointing. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that another goose egg in the third quarter. And I mean, it wasn't for lack of, uh, you know, creativity. I, I think we looked flat um, coming out of the third quarter and, I just don't under, I truly don't understand it because the second that number flips on the board to fourth, 
we fucking score a perfectly drawn up play action pass that goes yep. for 45 yards or whatever to Amater Bebe. It's truly puzzling um, how just lackadaisical, sluggish we look. Um, Messingham just seems to have absolutely no clue in the third quarter. It, it's it's beyond puzzling. I mean, the first play that uh, he draws up coming out of the out of the uh, third quarter is a fucking fullback run from the shotgun. I mean, what in God's name is he doing? Is he yeah. overthinking this? I, I truly don't understand. Deuce doesn't uh, touch the ball in the, in the opening drive, um, and we go three and out. I, I just it doesn't make sense. Make it yeah. make sense, Cole. Um, well, we were we were quite blown away with that as well. Uh, ben Sennett uh, was in the game, and they run a fullback off tackle essentially, uh, maybe trying to catch him by surprise. I I don't know. I like Ben Sennett. I think he's got a good future, but that is just such a weird, a strange play call to come out of the gate with, and. Uh, yeah, it, uh, it doesn't make you feel great. I'm used to Bill Snyder's prime when they went into halftime, play poorly the first half. They always were just the masterminds of adjusting his coaching staffs. And, uh, you know, it just hasn't happened for, for Chris Kleiman and staff, Courtney Messingham especially. And hopefully they can get it fixed because it is, it is tough. I mean, you're, you're put, you have a chance to put games on ice. You have a chance to get back into games and, and to go three and out so much and just – uh, sucks the energy out of the stadium. It's disappointing and it's certainly disheartening. The one time I do recall it happening and us being successful offensively in the third quarter is against KU. And it was last year. The offense really struggled in the four, in the first half. We basically did nothing. And, you know, thanks to the defense, a pick six um, and Phillip Brooks having two punt returns to really spark the team. Um, we did jack shit in the first quarter. So luckily We've got some medicine coming up next week that, you know, hopefully we can, we can remedy this third quarter problem. I think we scored 28 points offensively with Will Howard last, last year in the third quarter. But um, before we break down some individual uh, whatever players and units, that's the word I'm looking for. How numbered are Gary Patterson today? That man looked distraught yesterday. He just looked like a shell of a human being. I think he's got it. That's this is ha- this has to be his last year. They if, look if, terrible. Yeah, if I had to guess, Grant, this is going to be a situation where uh, they they have some meetings behind the scenes and come to some sort of settlement arrangement, and they don't fire him, but it's a forced exit essentially. But it goes peacefully. Uh, it, you can't. It, it's hard to fire a guy that you build a statue of, right? You know, similar to what Kansas State did with Bill Snyder. Right. Uh, and so he's also the 10th the highest paid coach in America right now at 6.1 million per year. Now, I don't know if his buyout money is available. I tried to find it, but TCU being a, yeah. a private university, you know, sometimes that information's not out there. Uh, they're, they're in a tough spot, but I, I just can't see it, how he could continue on after this. If you look at them now, they're oh, since the start of the 2018 season, they're 21 and 22 overall. They're 13 and 19 in Big 12 play. Uh, it doesn't, I don't really see them turning it around. They have, they have talent, they have talented players, but they have to be, their fan base has to be really disheartened with this season because they brought back so much talent on both sides of the football and the expectations were high. This was a team. A lot of people thought would be, that could get to Arlington and play in the big 12 championship. And now they sit at three and five. I honestly don't know if they'll win another game outside of KU. Yeah. I mean, they've got quarterback problems. Duggan is injured. That's always a pretty big factor in the team's success, but man, three and five, they got Baylor, Oklahoma state, Iowa state and Kansas remaining. I don't see how they get to six wins. Um, 
they just looked uninspired. They don't have any buy-in on that sideline. Um, and yeah, they're talented top to bottom. They have a talented football team, especially on the offensive side of the ball. It blows my mind that they basically had no explosive plays yesterday that meant that were very meaningful. I mean, we kept it pretty much to a minimum yesterday, but I, Gary's got to be gone. We're, we're in Bill Snyder territory here. Just kind of, I can see it. You can see it on the sideline. The man has, it just kind of feels like he's lost control. And it's, I don't know. It's over. On national signing day, I believe it was, it was three or four years ago. I believe maybe it was three years ago. He made a comment publicly that he planned on coaching maybe four or five more years. Right. And so (laughs) when you look at what's happened since, and you look at, you know, recruiting, it's going to be very difficult for him to continue to recruit with the lack of success. And then also that commentary out there and so many questions kind of hanging over his head. Is he going to be back? So yeah, I I don't foresee him being back next season. I think he'll be in the studio in two years. Yeah. It's my guess. Um, All right. Total yards, cats, 388 TCU, 336 time of possession, 29, 16 to K-State, 30, 44 to TCU turnovers. K-State won the turnover battle uh, by one, two to one. And uh, we were five of 12 on third down, two of two on fourth down. TCU was seven of 17 on third down and two of four on fourth down penalties, four for 46 for K-State and six for 45. Um, Any other comments on the headlines of the game or you want to get into it? Uh, Let's get into it. Okay. Our offensive side of the ball is uh, sponsored by Spotify green room. If you want a spot to talk to fellow sports fans, insiders, players, coaches, journalists, influencers, and us, Spotify Green Room is the place for you. It's free to download and join. Just go to the Apple iOS store or the Android app store, link it with your Twitter account and join us every Wednesday at 7 p.m. or immediately after basketball games. Since basketball is going to fire up here soon, we will just talk about games. We might just talk about games live, um, which would be fun. But uh, that's it. Join us on Wednesdays and keep an eye open on our Twitter for the basketball games. Let's talk about the offense. Um Interesting day for Messingham yesterday. Uh, I thought he was okay. Obviously, dreadful third quarter, but, you know, did enough to win. We couldn't really establish the run again yesterday, which is – it's really frustrating. We ran for 4.3 yards per carry, but it didn't really feel like we had any semblance of a ability to consistently run the ball. Um, you know, Deuce broke free a couple times, and I think that kind of – helped our numbers a little bit. Um, how would you grade out Messingham yesterday as a whole? Well, you know, they score 31 points, but uh, so normally that would be okay. But when you factor in how bad TCU's defense is, I, I would say a, uh, a C plus to B minus, honestly. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I think the biggest thing for me, Grant, is like you said, they couldn't establish the running game really with any sort of consistency. I mean, you take away the 42 yard Deuce Vaughn run and, uh, you know, the, the rushing numbers, and obviously you can't take it away, but the rushing, they, they just couldn't establish consistently grinding out six, seven yards per carry. This is a TCU defense giving up 260 rushing yards per game over their last five games and averaging, allowing six yards per carry. They were 125th out of 130 FBS teams in yards per carry allowed on the season. So this was yeah. next to KU, the worst run defense Kansas State's going to play all year. And they averaged, K-State did 4.3 yards per carry, which you know, is deflated a little bit from the sacks of Skylar Thompson. Right. But they just couldn't, I think they missed Joe Irvin 
You know, you, yeah. that was a game where I think he could have really thrived running in between the tackles when you watch TCU's defense play. And, yeah, you know, just such a heavy load on Deuce Vaughn uh, that you, you missed Irvin in that game. But that was a big knock for me. And then, yeah, it would have been a better grade. But as we talked about the third quarter, you know, just so poorly in that quarter of play offensively that uh, I'm going to give him a C plus or B minus. Yeah. And, you know, hey, not establishing the run isn't exactly the offensive coordinator's fault. Um, yeah. Sometimes as an offensive coordinator, you can obviously design plays for your personnel better. But the O-line is what it is at this point. I don't think we can confidently say going into a game, we need to establish the run, boom, on this team because they have a, they have a poor off or run defense. But um, let's talk about Skyler. 13 of 21 for 242 yards, one touchdown and one interception. He had five carries for 18 yards, which is pretty misleading due to sacks because he had some pretty big runs, including a big third down run and a touchdown run. Um, missed some guys overall, but I think it was a pretty good day for Skyler. Um, again, I don't think he was helped out a lot by his, his offensive line. Seems like he was being flushed out of the pocket a decent amount. Interception, not a great pass. He kind of set the defense up in a tough spot at midfield. Kind of forced it on a play that really wasn't there. He hit six different receivers on the day. Talk about Skylar Thompson for me. How did you view his day as a whole? Yeah, the interception was a bad decision, but like you, I mean, he, he was under a little bit too much pressure yesterday. Felt like he got hit a few too many times. You wouldn't like to see against the TCU team that yeah. really has struggled to get after the quarterback. I mean, this was a TCU team that was 109th in tackles for loss per game um, and around 103rd, I believe, in sack rate. So, the, I mean, they, they don't really get after the quarterback a lot. And so it's disappointing to see him get hit so much. The interception – Poor decision, uh, offense kind of stagnant for certain periods of time. But again, you know, it, it's hard. And we, I, to be fair about Courtney Messingham in the third quarter, the one thing we haven't noted, and I think we'll talk about it, is, you know, Malik Knowles got hurt, I believe, on the opening kick return of the second half and never came back in. And then Phillip yep. Brooks was out for most of the second half. So you were without your two top receivers. Um, Tyrone Howe got ejected for the punch. Another guy that plays a lot of snaps at receiver. Uh, you know, so you didn't have a lot of weapons out there outside of a matter Bebe uh, at the tight end position and deuce, obviously. Uh, and so until they, they got that big pop play to the matter Bebe for 73 yard touchdown, uh, everything got really stagnant in that second half. Um, but I, I would grade Skylar Thompson out with a B B type performance. I mean, that scramble he made was really impressive to, to outrun their defense on a third and 14, the way that he did it, to me, he looks like he's getting a little more confident and that knee and uh, yeah. trusting it a little bit more to take off and run. And uh, yesterday I thought was the best that we'd seen him in terms of mobility since he did get injured uh, in that Southern Illinois game. So I'd say a B for Skyler and, you know, 11 and a half yards per pass attempt, you know, aided by the long pass to Phillip Brooks and you matter baby and Deuce Vaughn. He had had some explosive plays in the passing game, but you know, he's now near 10 yards per pass attempt on the season, which is top 10 in the country. It's surprising. Um, Skyler's day yesterday was a little bit dictated, I think, by the offensive line. Um, they conceded two sacks, um, but I do feel like he was under pressure quite a bit. Had to leave the pocket multiple times. Um, not a great day for the offensive line. I mentioned 4.3 yards per carry. Um, I just think this, this line is kind of what they are at this point. Um, it's a little bit disappointing. Once we hit Big 12 play, it's just been an absolute struggle to establish any consistent run game outside of Deuce Vaughn, really, um, who still himself isn't really 
running the ball consistently well against these these Big 12 defenses. He's obviously getting chunk plays like he's going to do, but we cannot establish the run, and that pretty much affects the offense as a whole. And it's reflected in our passing numbers. I mean, it's surprising that Skyler is being is so successful and that our our passing game has been so successful given kind of the personnel we have. Um, this isn't going into the year I would never have expected us to be passing the ball this successfully at, at, after eight games and it being basically our our best aspect of the offense. Um, I, go yeah, ahead. I, I think the disappointing thing is is that they just seem to not be able to really successfully run the football without the threat of the quarterback run game. Yeah. And in games like yesterday, you would like to just be able to line up and run it down their throat without the threat of the quarterback run game and just push them around. Um, and K-State's been effective enough passing the football to where you got to be, you got to respect the pass this season for Kansas state. So they can't just completely load the box and uh, K-State is still struggling to run the football. If you look at coming into yesterday, uh, they were K-State was averaging 3.3 yards per carry in Big 12 play. And, you know, they had 4.3 yesterday. So it's probably right around 3.7, 3.6 in Big 12 play. That's not going to get it done. And it, it's got to get significantly better. And, and hopefully we see that jump against KU. But, you know, it's almost like the opposite of what we usually would expect. It's like they're going to have to throw the ball to open up running lanes and make teams uh, respect, respect that to, in order for them to run the football. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point that you bring up that this offense struggles to run the football without the aspect of the quarterback run game uh, being kind of implemented in there. I mean, the best, the best day we had this season running the football was against Nevada, and that was a day that Will Howard ran the football very well. He had 12 carries for 56 yards, and a couple of them were big, nice runs, and we were able to establish the run very well with Deuce Vaughn and Joe Irving. They basically tore it up since then. And yeah, since then we haven't been able to do that. It's very frustrating. I don't want to run the ball more with Skylar Thompson, um, even though he is looking a little more fluid with his running ability, but I think it's just kind of a, a pickle we're stuck in. And at this point you would want this offensive line to be able to establish himself, to be able to own that line of scrimmage and just kind of lean on the run game in a little more black and white sense, but I don't know year three and we're not quite there yet. Um, but it is what it is. Um, let's talk about the tight ends, fullbacks, uh, fullbacks, pretty quiet day. Sent at one rush for two yards. They blocked fine enough. Uh, tight ends, pretty solid day. A modern baby, two catches for 90 yards and a touchdown, similar play to Nevada. That kind of PA pop pass up the seam. He was wide open, long run, massive stiff arm. He was actually running well. He, I thought he looked a lot faster than he normally does on that catch and run. And Sammy Wheeler, two catches for 19 yards. I think we need to have a statue of a modern baby outside the stadium of his stiff arms. Yeah, he's, it's really fun to watch. I mean, it was identical to what he did against Nevada where he stiff armed the dude to, to get into the end zone in the same area of the field. So uh, he's a stud and you just gotta, you know, he's been banged up, but uh, throughout the season, he's been banged up his entire career, but he's a guy that, uh, Kansas State really needs to get more heavily involved in the yeah. offense. I mean, he's he's one of their most dynamic weapons. The staff, we know they love to utilize the tight end. And for a matter of Bebe to only have seven receptions, I believe, now on the season, uh, but he's averaging 26 yards a catch. Yeah. Uh, it's That's got to change. You, you got to be targeting him at least five times a game. Yeah. Could not agree more. I think we're underusing him massively. Um, and 
Well, I don't know what his snap count was this week, but you know, last week he was in for 20 plays and often he was open. Um, maybe it's just Skylar not seeing him or yeah. Skylar missing him in his progression, but um, he's, he's open in the field and, you know, he's starting to creep up in his snap count. So I would definitely like to see us target him a little bit more. Um, he's extremely talented, absolutely massive human being. He's got great hands and he showed yesterday that he can move better than I anticipated. Um, so definitely agree. Target baby a lot more running back. Deuce Vaughn, 20 carries for 109 yards, five and a half yards per carry, two touchdowns. And he had two catches for 49 yards targeted multiple times in the air. Deuce continues to impress, add to his, Pretty, pretty impressive career. Um, Irvin did not play yesterday. Apparently he was sick. Wright had seven carries for 19 yards. You know, Jacardier couldn't really do anything yesterday. Overall run game could not get going. He's not Deuce. He's not Joe. He's definitely a, a clear step down. He's not, which is disappointing me, you know, so far this year in Jacardier, right? I, I think he's really kind of stagnated a bit, Yeah, but, um, Talk about Mr. Vaughn, Mr. Wright, how they looked yesterday. Yeah, I mean, Deuce is Deuce. He's, he's phenomenal. He's insane. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, that 42-yard that touchdown run he had, from my vantage point, my seats are in the southwest corner. I thought he got stuffed because I just saw a mass pile. And then he just kind of popped out in a huge hole and was untouched. Uh, I think that's also part of the benefit of Deuce being as small as he is. He can kind of yeah. hide behind, you know, that mass pile there and pop out. Um, and a lot of the defenders might not have seen him, but uh, Deuce is a phenomenal player. You got, everyone already knows that. Uh, yeah, he played played well again today. You can't complain about him having five and a half yards per carry. Uh, you know, they, they were so reliant on him again yesterday in the running game. Uh, I, I just, like we talked about earlier, I feel like they really missed Joe Irvin. And uh, I, I, Joe Irvin is a guy that I think is underutilized, just like a matter baby. Mm -hmm. uh, he's very talented. He's explosive. He's actually, I think probably faster than Joe uh, Deuce um, in straight line speed. And he's more of a downhill, just physical, tough runner. And he's a guy that it sounds like he's going to be back for next week. against KU Chris Kleiman expects him to be back, but this, whatever he had virus will, will not hold him out for a KU game. Hopefully they have him back and they have more of that one-two punch because he's a guy that I honestly I, I would like to see them get you know Deuce a lot in the passing game, but but Joe Irvin at least ten to fifteen carries a game in the running game. I agree. He he needs to touch the ball more. I think he's a better just like black and white running back than Deuce. Deuce is obviously an insane weapon, but I love the way that um, or Irvin runs. He hits the ball. He hits the hole at a hundred miles an hour, and he's. He's, he doesn't have to be patient because when he hits that hole, um, he usually makes the right decision. But Mr. Wright, disappointing year so far. I kind of feel like he has transfer written all over him. Um, maybe I am just projecting, um, but it just – he hasn't made really any progress. Yesterday was a day that, you know, I feel like he had an opportunity to kind of establish himself a little bit more, and he just – he could not get anything going. And, you know – Part of that has to do with the guys in front of him blocking, but he just did not look up for it. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I did feel for him after the OU game, you know, he had that one touch and fumbles and then he hasn't played yeah. since. And, you know, you, you always wonder, is that in their head too? Right. Cause he, he doesn't want to fumble the football again. Is he running a little more hesitant and having two hands around the football and just making sure that he doesn't turn it over. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, now there weren't a lot of running lanes for him. He, I think he had one run that he got almost 10 yards on, but outside of that, he was, he was bottled up for one yard, two yards on several of his carries. Um, I don't know how much to blame him on it yesterday. It didn't look like there were a lot of holes, but uh, I, I don't know. It, it's certainly disappointing. Uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the fan base was excited about him after that Iowa State game in 2019 where uh, he kind of came on the scene. And, and ever since then, you know, just really hasn't done a lot. He just doesn't look like the same player as that game. Yeah. Um, you know, he doesn't have the burst that he had two years ago. Um, it's, it's puzzling, but he's very young and – you know, that's a, probably a large part of it. So he does have time to, to establish himself if he does stick around. I hope he does because he, I think he has a high upside. Uh, receivers yesterday, only three receivers caught a ball yesterday. Uh, Knowles, four for 58. Brooks, two for 44. And Mr. Warner, two for 19. Uh, Deuce Vaughn also had two for 49 and a couple tight ends. Uh, Amater Bebe and Wheeler contributed in the receiving game. Injuries slowed us down a bit. Obviously, uh, you know, I think we passed better in the first half and then our two top boys went down and understandably we kind of had a difficult time distributing the ball in the passing game in the second half. But um, I thought overall yesterday receivers were okay. Yeah, I mean, I think they were fine. Um, It's hard to grade because Brooks and Knowles being out um, for as much as they were, but, you know, they found ways to get open. I thought Cade Warner. Uh, I thought he ran hard on both of his catches and uh, played pretty physical on the the balls that were thrown to him. But yeah, not, I don't think a lot to say about the receiver. I mean, they they made some really nice double moves. I mean, the Philip Brooks double move there on the deep ball that that was ruled a touchdown and then ruled after review down at the one yard line was a really nice route by him. Um, yeah, I think Skylar Thompson had thrown thrown a couple balls that were behind some guys yeah. that could have been. Um, better thrown speaking of back to when we were grading Skyler but outside of that uh, I thought the receivers were fine yeah Skyler didn't help his boy Brooks out there that should have been a, a touchdown catch for him but yeah. uh, that's all for the offense let's talk about the defense and our defensive side of the ball is sponsored by adopt don't shop if you want to bring a new furry friend into your family be sure to say do so by going to one of the thousands of great shelters and adoption agencies in this great country of ours you can get yourself a great dog like chauncey bosco or newman or a cat like i'm sure there are some good cats i mean this is very clear i don't know if that's an actual sponsor clearly something that scott put in there just like for his own thing i don't i don't know but anyways defensive talk clanderman basically no complaints here um he had a good overall day the defense um the boys played well and defensive coordinator had a great day held him to five total points uh, on the day without the garbage time touchdown had two goal line stands uh, forced two turnovers kept explosive plays to a minimum dominant day from the defense best well, game you could act- quite a long time uh, you could actually take it down to three points grant because the safety was That's on, true you know the offense which you know getting back to courtney messingham that was also one of the more frustrating calls of the day to run a shotgun kind of delayed handoff and out of your own end zone. Uh, nevertheless, uh, defense was, was terrific. Uh, and I think the one thing that we get hit on a little bit is uh, TCU came into the country tied for number one nationally in red zone offense. They'd scored on hundred percent of their trips, 25 for 25 on the year, including 18 touchdowns on those 25 trips. Uh, Kansas state was tied for last with Kansas and red zone defense allowing 23 of 23 scores um, in the red zone. And yesterday, uh, something had to give. And TCU was stopped two different times inside the five-yard line at Kansas State's. 
um, by the defense. And so, you know, that was big, obviously, because if TCU punches in one or two of those, it's a different game. Uh, so Kansas State stepped up in the red zone, especially. And then third down defense, really the last two weeks, uh, you know, I think against Texas Tech, K-State was held Tech to three of 10 on third downs. Yesterday, uh, TCU was six of 16 on third down. So if you look at that, I'm running the numbers in my head. That's that's nine of 26 over the last two weeks, which is around 35%. K-State was giving up a, a third down rate in the first three Big 12 games of 54% and was one of the bottom in the entire country. So they seem to have gotten better on third down red zone defense. They were better yesterday. They, uh, they did a nice job covering. And then we talked about the run defense they did a really nice job against a really good TC run game. So yeah, can't complain. 10 tackles for loss, Felix, star. Uh, I thought the defense flew around to the football yesterday, played really well. You said his name, Felix Anadike Uzama, six sacks, eight total tackles, a forced fumble. How is it possible that he outshined his unbelievable play from last week? with just an insanely dominant performance. I mean, I mean, what have we got to do to get this guy to stick around for a little bit longer? How can we get some <laughs> NIL deals? I mean, surely he's got to be top of the list for some NIL stuff. Uh, yeah, we, we, we got to line his pockets. Yeah, you got to come up with something creative. Uh, you know, I don't even know if anything could be lucrative enough to keep him yeah. uh, out of the NFL by, uh, by the end of his second or third year next season. I mean, the good news is you're going to have him again next season. Um, and you think how exciting it'll be to pair him with Khalid Duke. I'm Hopefully desperate to see those guys play. Together. Yeah. I hope Duke can keep his same motor. And yeah, I mean, God, can you imagine if we had a fully healthy Duke on the other side? Yeah. I mean, it, it would, you know, you look at next year, you look at Nate Matlack and his development as he's coming on, he's only going to get bigger and stronger. Uh, you know, he's in his second year in the program and he's already added a lot of weight. Um, so if you take Duke next year and you get Nate Matlack more experience and you've got, yeah, think of the pass rush package you could have just putting those guys down there on a third, third down pass rush special package where you have Duke, Kennedy, K, Zama, and um, Matlack. I mean, they, they could really be a dynamic force next year getting after the quarterback. I mean, God, it'd be insane. I just can't wait to watch Felix play again. Um, so Felix obviously had an amazing day. Timmy Horn had three tackles. I'm trying to go through these stats now as they are posted. I don't have them in my outline. Eli Huggins, one tackle. Cartez Crooks-Jones actually registered a tackle himself. Jalen Pickle, one tackle. Trussell, one tackle. Matt Lack, one tackle. I think that's wrong. I feel like Matt Lack had a couple tackles yesterday. But um, overall, a dominant day for the defensive line, um, sparked by basically one man. Um he could have probably played just a one-man front yesterday, and they would have still – he probably could have recorded a sack yesterday. He was that good. Um, but let's jump into the linebackers, which I thought was maybe their best game of the year, um, particularly Daniel Green. He had seven tackles, two for a loss. I think that was his, definitely his best game of the year. He was flying around all over the football. Um, he had a nice Josh Buell-style third-and-goal uh, tackle for loss where he just flew through that hole and – hit a guy for a loss of three or four yards. That's the kind of, that's the Daniel Green we need for this defense to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. He, he looks like he's getting back to himself um, these last couple of games really. And he played lights out and he was flying around swarming the football uh, got after it. You mentioned the two and a half tackles for loss. He was a stud yesterday. 
uh, Cody Fletcher got banged up early in the game and he did come back in. Uh, but I thought Austin Moore also played a pretty good game at the linebacker position, a kid from Lewisburg, Kansas. Uh, he came in, had some nice snaps for K-State's defense. Uh, but yeah, Daniel Green was really the star. Uh, so uh, enough said there. He, he's If he can keep that up, uh, K-State's defense is going to be at a pretty good spot. Yes, Green, if he can keep that or close to that, it just elevates the defense as a whole so much. Allen, three tackles, more two tackles, Fletcher, three tackles. Overall, pretty solid day from the other linebackers, but it's just such a, a different step above with Daniel Green. Um, he's just so much better, so much better than the rest of them. If we can just get a second linebacker to kind of pair with him in the offseason, maybe, I think it would do this defense a lot of good. But it was an overall, I think, a pretty good day for the linebackers. The secondary, it was a great day for Um Secondary has been recently just gashed um, since we started Big 12 play. Had a better uh, better week last week, but this was definitely the secondary's best game um, in quite some time. And it was a very good game, actually, for Mr. Boss Elder. He had five tackles yesterday um, and probably his best day in purple. Yeast had two tackles, multiple pass breakups. Echo yesterday, two tackles, but it was he had island status yesterday. Echo was amazing. Um, he's really turning it on. I think he's... His, he's he's becoming far more disciplined in the last couple of weeks, and they're not going after him because he's he's on lockdown. Julius Brents, two tackles and some pass breakups, had a nice tweet after the game saying he's super happy that he came to K-State. Best choice he's made to come here in January. Um, love to see that um, from any player, but I love to see that from a high-profile transfer. Um, that's something I would be utilizing in the transfer portal if I was a coach. Um because we're going to be going after guys constantly. And I think we've shown a good track record of, of success in the transfer portal. And we have a lot of holes we need to fill. So it's great to see that from Julius Brents. Hennington had one tackle, the sauce boss, two tackles and one tackle for loss. Um, did he have a penalty yesterday? He did something stupid. He, he had a, uh, he had a roughing the passer penalty. That, have a roughing uh, the passer. Yeah. Eh, it wasn't too bad. It was just a late, little late. Yeah. Um, yeah. Overall a very good game, I think for the secondary. Yeah. And um uh... You know, you mentioned Echo. It, it feels like he's coming on again. You know, I he came out of nowhere last year, right? And I thought he was a stud at the corner position. And then I felt like he kind of just disappeared this year for a stretch and never even heard his name called. Now, as a corner, sometimes that can be a good thing because they're not throwing at you. But, you know, I thought the last couple of weeks he's played really good football. He was so disciplined on the trick play that uh, TCU yeah. ran inside the five-yard line to, you know, we looked at the last couple of years against Chris Kleiman trick plays have worked at a high rate against Kansas state's defense, but showed a lot of discipline there. Um, Echo played well. I think Julius Brents is coming on uh, as well and starting to beat some of that hype that we saw. And he also, you know, we talk about that was my key to the matchup on power cat game day. One of the things I called out for, for what to watch for in that game was Quentin Johnston. They're very talented six foot four, 200 pound sophomore receiver who has averaged 22 yards per catch in his career at TCU. He had seven catches for 185 yards and three touchdowns against Oklahoma a couple of weeks ago. He has two receptions yesterday for five yards. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. They, they, they shut down TCU's passing game essentially. And then the other guy I would mention is Stubblefield. I know we just talked about him a little bit. When we talk about linebackers, right? Maybe we should throw him into the mix because a lot of times they bring him in into the box as kind of that third linebacker. And he's a guy that's built like he, he is a corner. 
but he plays like a linebacker. I mean, I love watching him play. He throws his body around. He swarms the football. He's relentless. Uh, I love, love him. I love do. The way legitimately. That I love him. He's- yeah. He's so likable. Like, and, and the way that he plays football, like you just see this smaller guy, you know, there, there was a play against Texas tech, you know, not only did he have a great tackle for loss in that game against tech, but he, he, he dove into the line into their pulling guard and created a mass pile and caused a, a three yard loss on a running play because he just threw his body into their lineman and took out their guard uh, who was pulling on the play. Like see, he just, the way he plays, it, it's fun to watch. He also had a tweet yesterday. He did saying, and to think I almost went to TCU. Yeah. Another, you know, another glowing review from a, from a transfer that has made a pretty large impact on this defense. So um, good stuff. Um, I thought the coverage was excellent yesterday. A couple of those sacks were due to coverage. Um, it was just a good day. And I thought the tackling as a whole from the secondary was far, far better than it has been. And I just want to say, um, Felix Anudike Uzama is the Walter Camp National Defensive Player of the Week, according to Brett McMurphy. So congratulations to him. Absolutely deserved. And he is he is the record holder of the NCAA. It's absolute horseshit. That was six sacks. Um, let's talk about special teams brought to you by Symbol. Symbol is the sports stock market that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. There's two ways to make money on Symbol. First, every time a team you own wins, you earn a cash win payout. Second, just like the stock market, if you think a team is going to increase in value, you can buy low and sell high for a profit. Use the promo code capital SD to make your first deposit risk-free. That means even if you lose money, just decide the market isn't for you. Symbol will refund your initial deposit. So capital SD, I thought it was capital boys. Let me go to the top. And I don't know. You got two options, capital boys or capital SD. One of those ought to work for, to get you a free deposit um kicking punting uh tenant one for one winkle did not play yesterday not sure why do you have any in, inside news on that I, I don't actually other than here's what i'll say chris tenant and i talked to people this offseason um about you know chris tenant some people that know special teams pretty well uh that were involved in his recruitment actually as well mm-hmm. it, he could be one of the best place kickers in the history of Kansas state. Is that uh, is he a freshman? Is that our young boy? He's a, he's a true freshman. He's from the Kansas city area. I believe he went to mill Valley. Um, gigantic leg. I mean, this is a kid that can probably at some point in his career, he'll hit a 60 yard field goal. Um, yeah, he's got a huge leg. He, you know, accuracy has to be improved a little bit, but the future is very bright with him. And I don't know if this was a case of Winkle being hurt or they just decided, you know, it's time to give Tannen a look mm-hmm. and uh, a true freshman. I mean, I, there was no pressure when he went out and kicked it, right? The, the field goal, but it was a 42 yarder and he hit it right down the middle and it went about 10 rows deep into the seats. I mean, it would have been good for 55 just on that kick. So is this our, I could be totally bullshitting here, but wasn't this like the number one kicker? in america or yeah something. i mean he was you know, however those recruiting services work he certainly uh was right up there as one of the tops in the country and i think some services probably had him as the number one kicker in the country uh, the one thing that's kind of unique about him grant is he's gigantic he's six foot five i mean that you don't you don't weird. see yeah you don't see kickers that are as big as him he's uh, i think he came in at like six five 200 around 200 pounds he'll probably add even more muscle get a little bigger uh just a, a gigantic leg and uh, looking forward to watching his development. Let's give him some QB powers. 
That's what he's I built think. like it. I mean, yeah, he's built like a quarterback, like okay. a tall quarterback. I like to hear that. He went one for one, hit a 42 yarder. He did. He was in for all extra points and he hit them all. Um, Zintner was fine yesterday. Good day kicking. Uh, he's got a, a, a big boot as well. Um, punting was okay. I think he averaged 42 per punt. One was not very good. It bounced basically at midfield and bounced backwards, but um, an okay day for Zentner. And as I mentioned, Winkle was out. Return game, there were no crib gods yesterday. Malik had two for 41, and he got hurt. And one was pretty stupid where he was like three yards deep in the end zone, hesitated, got hit short. He likes that hesitation move. Um, I don't particularly like it, but that's okay. Brooks, nothing really. One punt return for four yards, and that's that. Um, let's grade keys to V Scott and I pick some keys to V and you and I get to grade them now. Um, keys to V are sponsored by Spotify green room, live audio only sports talk platform free to download. You can talk to me, other fans, athletes, insiders, sometimes cold man, Beck, he went on there once. I don't know if he went in the actual stage, but he was there in the chat. So that's really what matters. Uh, we're going to be doing some fun debates, post-game breakdowns, might even watch some live basketball games here soon. It's a free app that you can download in the iOS uh, store or the Android app store. Just link to your Twitter and follow our Twitters and our show account. And you will see the link show the link to the show to join Wednesdays at 7 PM God's time zone. Join us and let your voice be heard folks. All right. Keys to be my first one was bend, but do not break. I have to give that an a plus um, because a few times I mean, just overall, the defense was excellent on the day. I'll give him an A-plus generally, but there were two times where the backs were absolutely against the wall after some explosive plays, and we held um, on fourth down twice for, on first and goal. So that's an A-plus for me. Yep. No, nothing else to be said. That's an A-plus as well for me. The defense was lights out, and uh, they did not break inside the red zone, actually, as we talked about, best red zone offense in the country, and they, they held them out of the end zone and without a field goal two different times. Scott's keys to the don't let this be Gary Patterson's bounce back game. The TC fan base is circling in the water, and he will be desperate to try to bounce back. Chris Kleiman and company need to outcoach Gary. I mean, <laughs> that's a funny key to me. Um, that's an A+. plus. We Good fucking job. dominated. There were It was a a 26 point win in my book. So yeah. what else can you say there? We, we dominated. Yeah. It's a A plus for me as well. Um, you know, I, I start to wonder, I, I think TCU maybe has started to check out on the season. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if some guys just sit out the rest of the year, honestly, at this point, the way that they look and uh, the way college football is today with the transfer portal. Uh, and I just, I don't see them winning more than one more game, and that would be KU. And, and I could even see them slip up at that point. I think it's the end of the year. Uh, KU is horrible, but, but TCU just does not look engaged. And, you know, this is such a disappointing season for them because they were a team thought to be a Big 12 title contender, and uh, it's completely yeah. fallen apart. I got to say, Scott, if you're listening, as a man who's had some very lazy keys to be, that's got to be the laziest one I've ever heard. It's basically, in a lot of words, just win the game. Yeah, pretty good key to be win the game. Uh, my second key to be be efficient in the red zone. I don't have the numbers. Do you? Because <laughs> I feel like we were well, fairly efficient on the day. A lot of long sustained drives, and then you know that one to Mater Bebe when we were it was a large chunk play. I, I don't. Not not a lot of opportunities in the red zone because the Mater Bebe was a seventy three yard touchdown, and then Deuce was a forty two yard touchdown run. 
the Philip Brooks, Brooks, Brooks one, which is on the, the one. one. Yeah. yeah. So, so one for one. You know, one for one. I'm trying to think through what the uh, we're missing one touchdown, right? Um, we are missing a touchdown, which was Skylar Thompson. Oh, Skylar Thompson two run. For two. So yeah. And then we did kick a field goal there. So that was outside the red zone. So okay, that yeah. was at the 24. So a hundred percent. So that's about a as efficient plus, as you baby. can get. All right. So. Wow. So, so far we have three A pluses and we are going to hit the last one. Don't turn the ball over. Unfortunately, this can't be an A plus, but we did, we did one, win the turnover battle uh, two to one. And it's the first time we've done that since Nevada. The only time uh, on the other, whole of the season. So um, pretty good. I'd give it an A. Yeah, I would. I just because they I'll give it a B. It, I'll give it a B. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, I'd probably give it a B or B plus just because they did turn it over. Now they won the turnover margin, as you said, which is the big thing. And it, it was only one turnover and it didn't come back to haunt them. Uh, but yeah, look at all these positive grades, Grant. Look at the positivity. Look what positivity is flowing. The positivity started happening. You know, I predicted seven and three over the next four games. They'd win the next four and, and halfway there. It, it's all the positive energy. Very positive. Let's get into the game balls. Um, if you don't know, we've got uh, game balls, two we give away, one for an offensive player, one for defense. And if you want to substitute a special teams player in there, you can. No player can receive two game balls, but a player can receive a game ball and a swagger sticker. I left you, yours open. My first game ball offense goes to Danielle Imator Bay Bay. Amazing play. Another gorgeous stiff arm. Um, we got to target that man more. He's got seven, like you mentioned, only seven catches on the air, and he's got two touchdowns, and I don't know what his yardage is, but it's got to be pretty damn high. He's averaging like 22 yards a catch. He's a stud. Get him going. One of our best weapons on offense. He gets my game ball. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to take the lazy one and just take uh, Deuce here just to be different, and we can give it to Deuce probably any week of the year, um, every week. But, uh, you know, he goes over 100 yards. He has two touchdowns. He had, I believe, 49 yards receiving. So. Um, just another all-around great game by him. Uh, but Imad or Bebe would be my number two choice, um, followed by Skyler probably. Well, I did leave you the easy ones. Um, my other game ball defense is going to go to Echo Boido. He was Echo Island yesterday, held one of the best receivers in the – honestly, in the, in the country um, to two catches for five yards. Um, he, he's really hitting his stride, I think. And he's getting Island status pass, so Echo Boido gets my – my defensive game ball. And yeah. That's who gets the defensive game ball for you. I, I can't really think of anybody else that stood out outside of Echo. Uh, no. It, uh, yeah. Gosh, you really did leave me the easy ones. I mean, what, what more can I add about Felix? Uh, obviously, he gets a game ball. I'm talking about the national defensive player uh, of the week. So uh, we've, we've talked about him a lot on this show. We talked about him a lot on Power Cat Game Day heading into that game yesterday. He was just a, an absolute stud. Uh, teams are going to be double, triple teaming him the rest of the year, I'm sure, which should hopefully open up some pass rush lanes for some other guys to, to kind of shine and thrive. But yeah, uh, nothing else can be said. He, he was just a dominant physical freak yesterday with what he did. Could not have said it better. My first swagger sticker, my only swag sticker goes to Tyrone Howell for squaring up on the sidelines and trying to punch people with helmets. Um, very funny to see. And frankly, you know, sticking up for his quarterback. Fuck TCU. 
Yeah, you know, I, I hadn't seen the replay of it yet because I was in the seats. I haven't watched the game yet again, but uh, I, I am looking forward to seeing. I mean, he was literally trans- like da- dancing around. <laughs> uh, like he looked like he was literally in a boxing ring. It was very funny. So did they jump him basically? Did did he engage first or what? I don't know. Like- he was kind of far down away from Skyler. Like he was, he wasn't even close to Skyler. He was probably oh. 10 to 15 yards away on the sideline, maybe running to Skyler and then somebody was jawing at him but uh i i don't know he's yeah. kind of he was kind of on his own and he was just squaring up it was pretty funny yeah. i'll have to check it out uh look i'm gonna double down again i think the swagger sticker for me goes to felix uh, you know the, just the the way that he played watching his celebration i love i love his celebration after he gets sacks uh it's it's Maybe. fun to me yeah yeah, yeah he's so. great well, he does like a uh, like a robot type thing too. After he gets sex, I don't even know what to call it, but uh, he, he's incredible. And I just love the swagger that he plays with. And then on the sideline, yeah, the celebration at the end when they made the announcement about tying the single game record that the NCAA tried to strip. But I think I think uh, Kansas State should do what UCF did and basically just ignore the NCAA, like Would've they declared. Better. Yeah. So, uh, yeah let the record stand, um, but I'll give Felix my swagger it's, sticker. It's pretty fucking stupid. I mean, it's uh, the, sanity. It makes no the, sense. I, I believe in the NFL, we, we'd have to double check it, but I believe any strip sack, no matter the outcome, is all is recorded as a sack in the NFL. It, because it's I, sack. Yes. You, you should not get punished for also forcing a fumble when sacking the quarterback. It's one of the most ridiculous as, things. Count as two sacks, honestly. Yeah, and, and the – even more ridiculous as we talked about already is the fact that K-State recovered both yeah. of the fumbles. So I, I don't know. It's uh, it's absurd. Another, th- I'm just glad the NCAA could jump on it so quickly and uh, get that correction out there. Uh, yeah. God, it's they, insane. They, so uh, from my perspective, Felix has 12 sacks on the year. I mean, it's in sportsreference.com. He's got 12 sacks on the year. Where do you think he ends up? We've got, four conference games left and i would imagine a bowl game um how what what heights can this man reach well you know ku's offensive line isn't anything to write home about so i I would expect him to get one or two at least next week um if we say that he has 12 as of today and stick with that and ignore the ncaa which i'm all for you know i think he could end up around 17 or 18 sacks um other teams are going to key in on him so i don't think he's going to have any you know, three or four sack games at this point, uh, the rest of the way, but certainly you could foresee him, you know, getting to 17 or 18, um, getting another five or six sacks in the year, which is just insane. I, I think the NCAA record is around 20 or 21, maybe Elvis Dumerville at Louisville said it, I want to say a few years ago, or, or there was a guy at Louisiana tech that had a huge year too. I'm blanking on the name, but we'd have to check that, but yeah, he's going to come somewhat close to that. I guess, he won't because of the uh, the two sacks stripped away by the NCAA, but still. Yeah, I mean, he's going to have a chance to break the record again next week, I suppose. So yeah. um, that's it, folks. Actually, I want to give a I want to give one more honorable mention game ball just to Klanderman and the defense as a whole. That was probably his best game on the year against a very explosive TCU offense. Um, so shout out to Klanderman who has been giving been given a hard time recently. But uh, that's it, folks. Check out Symbol. Um, and then check us out on Spotify Green Room Wednesdays at seven, and keep an eye out for some basketball games. Cole, thank you for joining us. Where can we find you? And um, I'll give you the final word. 
Uh, well, you can find me on on Twitter at Cole underscore Mambeck. Such a creative name uh, on my Twitter page. Uh, that's where I'll, I'll put out a lot of stats. And then obviously, um, John Kurtz, Derek Young of uh, K-State Online and myself do Power Cat Game Day every Saturday, which uh, goes on live uh, four hours prior to kickoff. So next week, bright and early at 7 a.m., you can turn on your radio. Uh, I can't remember all the different affiliates, but you can stream it at powercatgameday.com or um, on 1350kman.com as well if you're not uh, in range for the station. Um, so we'll be we'll be breaking down the game, getting everyone ready for that. Uh, looking forward to a show. It's a lot more fun to do after uh, victories and when we can actually be a little more positive about things. So uh, yeah, there you go. Looking forward to that. And um, I would just echo what you said. Uh, credit to Joe Klanderman and uh, how the defense has turned it around. And it looks like this football team is turning things around and it could be like the 2019 season, Chris Kleiman's first year when they, they started 0 and 2 in big 12 play and then got to eight and three at one point, I believe. So I think this program's tracking right along toward that and uh, looking forward to watching them continue to improve. And I'll see you guys in Lawrence. I will be there. Uh, it's a short drive for me. I live in South Olathe. So uh, that's that's my shortest drive I get to make all season. So I hope everyone comes to Lawrence, overtakes the stadium, and uh, have a huge Kansas State contingency of crowd there. Agreed. Cole, thank you for coming on again. Uh, that's it for the show today. Thanks for listening, everybody. Check out our sponsors, and it's it's rivalry. If we play Kansas, let's beat them for, I think, a 13th straight year. Um, be mean to KU this week. Troll them. Troll them on the timeline. Do whatever you have to do. But that's it, folks. Meet me at the Cathead. Sports Social Podcast Network.